Welcome to Bible Education Institute. My name is Reverend Henry Kelly. Today, we will be continuing in the book of Revelation. And today, we are going to be in Revelation chapter 15. And the title to this short chapter here is Seven Angels with Seven Plagues. And, and like we've been doing before, as uh, soon as I read I, in the Bible that section which a lot of is allegory, um, symbolic, stuff like that. And then I will be reading uh, that same chapter in Matthew's Henry, Matthew Henry's Concise Commentary of the Whole Bible, which explains what it's actually saying, uh, because Revelation is an uh, allegorical or spiritual method. The images and events are figurative, a deeper meaning of spiritual truth. And it also has symbolic numbers. And and so that's why, you know, we have to know the literary meaning of this area. That's why people are getting it so wrong. Um, I mean, I believe it started that the wrong, uh, the bad theology started, uh, especially in America, because uh, around the world we really don't have that uh, unless we've imported it here from America to them or, you know, wherever. Oh, but uh, this, uh, the, uh, the belief system is, uh, was started by a uh, guy named Darby in the mid-1800s, which would be the 19th century. And so, actually, this is, this is a new belief system that we have. which is called dispensationalism. And uh, that belief system is contrary to what uh, had been uh, preached and studied uh, a long time before then from the majority of the uh, original reformers, which would be Martin Luther, John Calvin, and uh, some of the other ones, but even our founding fathers, you know, but a lot of it was... Um, because they had it correct to begin with, but as everything else, um, you have people that come up with different belief systems, and and then what happens is uh, when it's wasn't when it doesn't coincide coincide with what the Word of God says, then that's where you start getting into a lot of problems, and so so now like that. That belief system, that theology, is taking the book of Revelations and just reading it literally, like everything's literal. And if you read Revelations literal, it's very confusing because it makes no sense. I mean, some of it does, you know, some of you can read it makes sense, but then when it starts going about, um, like, you know, the plagues, and then, um, then it also has, like, the, the dragon and all like that, that's... That that's you know uh, a symbolism for uh, for what's evil and stuff, but and then you also have to understand that John the Revelator or John who wrote the Book of Revelations, which you know he, he's also known as that the Revelator, which means he he got the revelation from from God, but he was talking to the Christians then the current 
the Christians then who were suffering and, and going through a lot. So that's what that was for. We can learn from that, right? Uh, because they were our original examples of how we're supposed to be, like, you know, how Christians are supposed to be the early church. So, and I know, but it seems like uh, dispensationalism has been uh, really pushed a lot since then, and it's gone into all kinds of churches and denominations and all this stuff. So you have a lot of people, you know, who like are making false predictions. Christ is coming here and there and whatever. And then when he don't, it's almost have it wrong or something like that. You know, when the Old Testament clearly says um, that, you know, if a prophet, um, if a prophet gives something that's false. Now, this is back then that they, they should be stoned or killed or whatever. Um, you know, and that was back then uh, in the Old Testament because uh, they took it that serious. But now you have people saying all kinds of stuff. But it can be very confusing. I was confused for a, uh, for a long time because uh, where I was going to church, it was kind of like that, you know. And uh, then when I would ask questions, like, well, how did, um, how did you come upon this set of belief systems like with that? And I always got the same thing when it comes to dispensationalism. I'm always got, well, you just got to go into it with it and all this stuff. I'm like, no. I mean, where do you find it in the New Testament, Old Testament, whatever? You know, where do you find it at? You know, and they could never, they could never tell me that. It was very confusing. And then, you know, as I read and studied and pray, then I realized something wasn't right. So then, like, and even those, the same ones that I was sitting under who were teaching that kind of thing, um, they actually... I had, um, had said, well, go to, you know, uh, uh, get a Matthew Henry commentary and some other books and stuff like that. Because uh, I was, because uh, uh, I was in training, you know, to be a minister and all. And so I did, and it was like very different from what they were telling me. It's like that made sense when you start to reading and study it. Then you go, okay, well, that's, so it's more like, you know, it's a, um, it's an allegory. You know, an allegory is where somebody tells a story with, with I have fictional characters in it, but it means it has a meaning. Everything there has a meaning to it. So that's what Revelations is. That's why to some people it, it can be confusing. If you read Revelations literal, you're going to be confused. You know, especially like when he said there's a there's a woman and this guy and all this kind of stuff. But yeah, you know, so a lot of it can be very confusing. Like what we've read thus far to all the way to 15, it, it could be confusing if, if you didn't have uh, the the explanation or the meaning to what it was saying. So let's begin in 15. Verse 1. I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign, seven angels with the seven last plagues, last because with them God's wrath is completed. Verse 2. I And I saw what looked like a sea of glass glowing with fire and standing beside the sea, those who had been victorious over the beast and its image and over the number of its name. They held harps given them by God, Verse 3, and sang the song of God's servant, Moses, and of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Verse 4, who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name. For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you uh, and worship before you. For your righteous acts have been revealed. Verse 5. After this I looked, and I saw in heaven the temple, that is, 
the tabernacle of the covenant law, and it was open. Verse 6, out of the temple came the seven angels with the seven plagues. They were stressed in clean, shining linen and wore golden sashes around their chests. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls filled with the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And verse 8, And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God from his power, and no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. And that ends chapter 15. It's a short, very short chapter. Okay, now, let's read Matthew Henry's Concise come to our whole Bible on in chapter 15 so we can get the right meaning of what John was saying in chapter 15 okay and and let me and here's the setup chapter 15 number one the state of the church under pagan powers number two the state of the church under papal powers number three a general account of the past present and future state of the church and four how the Antichrist will be destroyed. Now, remember what Antichrist means. Antichrist means rejecting Christ. A song of praise, a song of praise is sung by the church. Verses one through four. Seven angels with the seven plagues, and and to them one of the living creatures gives seven golden vials full of the wrath of God. Verses five to eight. Okay, chapter 15, 1 through 4, verses 1 through 4. Seven angels appeared in heaven, prepared to finish the destruction of Antichrist. As the measure of Babylon's sin was filled up, it finds the full measure of divine wrath. While believers stand in this world in times of trouble, as upon a sea of glass mingled with fire, they may look forward to their final deliverance. While new mercies call forth new hymns of praise, the more we know of God's wonderful works, the more we shall praise His greatness as the Lord God Almighty, the Creator and Ruler of all worlds. But His title of Emmanuel, the King of Saints, will make Him dear to us. Who that considers the power of God's wrath, the value of His favor, or the glory of His holiness would refuse to fear and honor Him alone. His praise is above heaven and earth, now, chapter 15, verses 5 through 8. In the judgments, God's, God executes upon Antichrist and his followers. He fulfills the prophecy and promises of his word. These angels are prepared for their work, clothed with pure and white linen, their breasts girded with golden girdles, representing the holiness and righteousness and excellence of these dealings with men. They are ministers of divine justice and do everything in a pure and holy manner. They were armed with the wrath of God against his enemies. Even the meanest creature, when armed with the anger of God, will be too strong for any man. Oh, excuse me. It's, let's go back. Uh, even the meanest creature, when armed with the, uh, with the anger of God, will be too strong for any man in the world. The angels received the vials from one of the four living creatures, one of the ministers of the true church in answer to the prayers of the ministers uh, and people of God. 
Antichrist could not be destroyed without a great shock to all the world, and even the people of God would be in trouble and confusion while the great work was going on. The greatest deliverances of the church are brought about by awful and astonishing steps of providence. Okay, what does providence mean? It means God's working in it. And the happy state of the true church will not begin till obstinate enemies shall be destroyed and lukewarm or formal Christians are purified. Then whatever is against Scripture being purged away, the whole church shall be spiritual and the whole will be brought to purity, unity, and spirituality and shall be firmly established. And that concludes that. The uh, chapter 15 in uh, uh, Matthew Henry's concise commentary on the whole Bible. Remember, Matthew Henry was alive during the 1700s um, and uh, this is when he wrote that. And you know, it's uh, a lot of the great people were, are great uh Biblical thinkers, you know, religious thinkers, look at what I call them, biblical thinkers, you know, with the word of God and all. And they were extremely smart. In fact, especially in America, uh, during that time, you had the founding fathers and all that. And before then, you know, about 100 years before, you know, um, there is a great uh, studying of the word of God and all that kind of stuff. And also, you had the great revival before the Revolutionary War which um, started in, I think, 1775 or whatever. But it it actually started, well, the beginnings of it came, you know, years before, you know, through the struggle and everything. Because that was like a good 10 years or something. They were trying to work with England and couldn't. But you had, the people back then were strong in Christ and, and then God allowed an awakening. Some people call it revival or awakening to where the, like, we dedications to Christ or came to Christ and want to put God first and everything. And that's what made this country great was God. But during that time in the 16, 1700s and, you know, whatever, there's some great thinkers and writers and stuff. And one of them were Matthew, uh, Matthew Henry. And, uh, you know, there's just a lot of good, strong, strong stuff in there, you know. And and there's a lot of other ones like John no uh, John Locke and, and all that. But anyways, um, yeah, so what makes a nation great, a person great, is Christ, you know? You know, if you've given, if you surrender yourself to Christ completely and, uh, you know, allow God to use you and mold you, train you and everything, he will. And you will be shocked and surprised. Let me read some salvation scripture. Oh, before that, I, I forgot to read what the Bible is. Okay, and I like to read that all the time. Uh, so, so you can know why we can trust the Bible. Okay, the Bible. Oh, yeah, and I got this from uh, Dr. Vodi Bakum that you can find on YouTube and everything. Uh, the Bible, a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses, 40 authors, 16 volumes of books, a span of 1,500 years in three continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe, written in three languages, mainly Hebrew and Greek, a little in Aramaic, hundreds of subjects and topics. So he had... Um, so it's, it's a collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses, you know. And so when you go through the 40 authors, 66 
volumes of books span a few hundred years, you know, and everything's just coincided perfectly together, you know, that's why we can trust it, because God, because God is in it. John chapter 6, verse 44 and 65, the NIV. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. Verse 65, he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 10, NIV. For if while we were God's enemies, because if, if you haven't come to Christ yet, if you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, you're an enemy to God because uh, the Bible clearly says that no one is looking for God, you know, so God has to draw you. We were we were recounseled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been recounseled, shall we be saved through his life? Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2, NIV. Do not add to what I command you, and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. Revelation chapter 24, 18 to 19. I warn everyone who hears the, the NIV. I warn everyone who hears the words of the, this of the prophecy of this scroll, if anyone asks, because all this were in scrolls, that's how they used to write it back then. Uh, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away that person and his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in the scroll. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, NIV. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 to 26, NIV says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross, and follow me. Verse 20, uh, 25. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Verse 26. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Let me give some salvation scripture. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10, King James Version, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God has raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth in the righteousness, unto righteousness, and with mouth, the mouth confession may salvation. Romans chapter 10, verse 13, King James Version, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Romans chapter 10, in verse 17, King James Version, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now for those that may be listening, and you're not sure about God or whatever, and you just come upon all this audio, and uh, what I would like to challenge you is, um, are you a good person? And, you know, what is your belief system about, or, or what do you believe as far as um, the afterlife. Well, let's see. Let's take the good person test and see where you stand using God's Ten Commandments uh, that 
that he's written on our hearts. And I'll just give you a few of them. Have you ever hated anybody? According to Jesus, uh, that would be the sixth commandment. You've already murdered in your heart if you hate someone. Because remember, God's standards are high and ours are very extremely low and we're good with, with everything we do. Have you ever looked at another person with lust? According to Jesus, we've already committed adultery in our hearts when we do that. And that would be the seventh commandment. You shall not commit adultery. Have you ever lied? White lied, whatever, you know, trying to get other things. Um, we all have lied, you know, even if it was when you're, well, we all lied, period. And even if you You've done any of these things when you were a child. It doesn't matter what you do. You're guilty. You're guilty of all. You break one, you break them all. So, so what does that mean? Uh, so what do you call someone who lies? They're a liar. Right? And we're all guilty of this. Everyone till we come to Christ. So... Um, have you ever, let's do one more. Have you ever borrowed something and not bring it back or took in a, uh, like a pen, then bring it back or a paperclip or whatever? It doesn't matter how much it's worth. It's the intent. Like, you know, we don't, like we just borrow a pen. Oh, it ain't nothing. Don't worry. No big deal. No, but the, but we still did it. You know, the, in, the intent's still there. You know what I mean? And so that would make us what a thief. You know, if it takes, you know, like that, you don't bring it back, return it, whatever the case may be. You see, we don't think much of it because our standards are so low, but God's standards never change. It's always high. So if you were to be judged by God's Ten Commandments, would you be innocent or guilty? We would be guilty. Heaven or hell, it would be hell. And that's what we all face until we come to Christ. Because when you come to Christ and you come with a sorrowful, contrite heart, knowing that you've committed wrong, there's nothing we can do about it. And that we can only go to heaven through through Christ and humble ourselves as a child and come. Then because Christ becomes like a bridge to heaven, you know, a bridge to God the Father. And so to get to that bridge, we have, Christ is a bridge, so we go through Christ. Uh, because his work that he had done on the cross uh, when, um, like, over 2,000 years ago when he came, and he, you know, he was, was born and, you know, he, he came as a human baby and everything. Still God, but he put that aside just, you know, and, and still was human, but he's still God at the same time. And, uh, and he came, you know, humbly like that. And then he had a ministry for three and a half years where he told about the good news, um, uh, which is um, a repenting of your sins and putting your trust in Christ. In Christ alone, and you can get to heaven that way. Before they had to go through the Jewish priest and all that, and they had to have, um, you know, like uh, offering, sacrifice, and like doubt of animals and all. And we don't have to do that now because Christ did it once and for all. When he went, when he allowed the evil religious leaders and the, the Roman governor at that time, and you know that outfit, you know they. Uh, they had the Romans, you know, get him and stuff. And even the governor knew he wasn't guilty, and he knew it was all he was political. 
And because uh, the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders didn't like it because he was infringing on uh, 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 their their space because they were making money off of all this stuff. And they couldn't even, they were so blind by their their sin and evil that they couldn't even see that that was the Messiah they had been waiting for. And they rejected him. Not all of them did, but the main ones did. And he allowed himself to be took. And then they whipped him with whips that was had Charles uh Charles of, uh, or, or like uh, uh, little broken pieces of metal and, and and bone and all that kind of stuff. And when they whipped you, you know, it would rip your skin up. So he was a mess. And then then they made him carry this wooden beamed cross to a hill where they were going to crucify him. That was uh, the Romans' torturous death that they would have for people that, that they considered had broken some kind of a law, whatever, you know, or killed someone, whatever. And that would that would be the punishment, and then he would nail nail steel steel nails, big giant nails in their hands and feet to hold you on, and they tie you too. But um, so so that was suffering. The way they did, he had to hold like they put you in a way where you had to hold yourself up to breathe. And what would happen, you know, as you're dying. With all the being, being whipped and all that kind of stuff, you already lost a lot of blood, so you weren't you weren't going to make it anyways. And um, so most of the time, you would just couldn't hold yourself up anymore, and you would uh, you would suffocate. You know that's what happened. Anybody that would may be alive or whatever, they come up and just stick a spear in you to make sure you were dead and all that. It was pretty brutal stuff. And right before Christ died, he said it is finished, which means the payment has been made. Now we can come by faith believing. That's now that's what you call a loving God. Not this not just Jesus is trying to promote where everything's love, 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 he, he's gonna forgive everybody no matter what. That's not how it works. No, that's that's a false gospel. That's false. That's a lie. Yeah. That's Satan's lie, the devil's lie, whatever, but it's a lie from hell. You gotta go God's way, which is through Christ, his son. And in fact, it says no one comes to the Father but through Him. You know, so we come by humbling ourselves, realizing we've broken God's moral law, the Ten Commandments. Therefore, guilty, in need of a Savior, come with a sorrowful, contrite heart, like a child, repent of our sins, that is, ask forgiveness, and then transfer the trust from yourself to Christ alone. And that's how it works. And I would suggest if you haven't done that and you're serious, and you know that you're guilty, and you want to go to heaven, you know, and you want, it's kind of like if you're in a plane about to crash, somebody gives you a parachute, you're going to hold on to the parachute, because it's going to save you from the jump you're going to have to make, the jump to come. Jesus saves you from the judgment that's coming. Yep. And that's why it's so important. Let me give you some resources. Okay. All this you can find on YouTube and on their websites. Dr. Vodi Bakum, you can find him on YouTube, and you put in the search engine uh, Vodi Bakum Ministries, and it and it will pull you up there. But mostly it's on YouTube. Living Waters of Great Comfort, LivingWaters.com, RC Spro, Religionaire Ministries, Answers in Genesis with Ken Ham, AnswersGenesis.org, Wall Builders with David Barton, WallBuilders.com, and he does um, mostly the. Uh, uh, American a Christian church history and everything. Dr. Walter Martin, waltermartin.org. Remember, they're all on YouTube also. 
uh, Pastor Jeff Durbin with Apologia Studios, which is fantastic. If you go to the website, apologiastudios.com, and you can also listen to them on Apple Podcasts for audio. But if you go to apologiastudios.com, they have a section there where now you can learn. Uh, they have a, a Bonson U, or Dr. Greg Bonson, who uh, he, he died a few years back or some years ago, and the family donated all of his audio recording teachings and everything, and they donated to Apologia Studios, and they so they like remastered, cleaned it up and everything digitally. And so you can get a free seminary education. Also have some great, other great teachers on there too now. It's really fantastic. It's it's wonderful. In fact, I was just listening to it uh, some this morning. Uh, let me see. Oh, yeah. If you would like to correspond with us, uh, our email is Bible Education Institute, all lowercase, at gmail.com. And now we do have an up and running website. And I will give that to you now. Um, I just got the free version, so I don't have, you know, like the easy to write down website, but you can find it. Uh, it is five lowercase d lowercase b lowercase e one one eight two lowercase e five eight three one dot site s i t e one two three dot me m e. And you can find it there, or you can actually just go below if you're listening to this on YouTube or Rumble or wherever else. Uh, just go into the uh, the information section below, and it'll be down there. And, and I'm pretty sure you can just click on that. And same thing there on the website and on the sites. Now, if you'd like to donate, we have a, a link. Uh, the website you just click on a link, and the ones the information description below. Uh, YouTube or Rumble, that one there you have to copy and paste on your, uh, like your search engine, you know, like the top line. Uh, for some reason, you're not able to click it. But anyway, so that's our information there. And also, let me give you some more. And you can also find us on YouTube, Rumble. And, and here's all the other podcast uh, podcast platforms you can find us on. Listen Notes, Luminary Podcasts, Player FM, Helium Radio Network, HeliumRadio.com, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Amazon Music, Overcast, Chrome, G Potter, Firefox, Safari, iTunes, Audible, Alexa, Google Podbean, Internet Explorer, Podcast Addict, and many others. And you can also find us on Getter, I mean, Telegram, Getter, Twitter, Facebook, and Gab. And let me go back over some of these good teachers. Dr. R.C. Sproul, Legular Ministries. Uh, Dr. Vody Bacham, Dr. James White. You can find him on YouTube and and with Apologia Studios. Doug Wilson, Gary DeMar, and Pastor Joe Webbin with Right Response Ministries. And, of course, Pastor Jeff Durbin with Apologia Studios. And... If you'd like to be able to get some books where they use, used or new, I'll buy a lot of used books, mostly used because they're good condition and it's a whole lot cheaper. You know, stuff to help me study or whatever. And you can go to Abe Books, A-B-E-B-O-O-K-S online, Thrift Books or Amazon or Alibris, A-L-I-B-R-I-S. Whatever book you're looking for, you just put in the like Google search engine and it'll, 
And they'll pull up the booksellers that you can, who has that and stuff. Another good resource is TCC, TCT Network. There's one program that's really good, um, and that's Faith and History with William Federer, and he goes over all of church history. It's fantastic, very interesting, and a lot of uh, American church history, too. And there used to be a program there called Ancient Jewish Wisdom with Rabbi Daniel Lappin and Susan Lappin, his wife. But for whatever reason, it's not on there anymore, but you can find them on their website, rabbidaniellappin.com, and on YouTube. And if you go... And they have, they're also, there is also a Rabbi Daniel Lappin podcast. And if you go to their website, his wife, Susan Lappin, has a, it's like a blog. It's called uh, Susan's Musings. It's really good. It's, it's really a, a, a lot of good information there and interesting. Well, until the next time, remember, read your Bible daily without fail and do what it says.